Hello. So, hello and welcome to the NanaOS podcast. It's been a while. And um, I think as part of this delayed absence of obviously me being away, I've decided to do a question answer series. So, I think a few weeks back, I went onto Instagram to ask a few people, basically anyone that follows the Instagram account, to ask me a few questions. I also had a few questions offline. And um, if you go to the website or the podcast website, you will see that um, you can get in contact with me on any of my socials and ask me any questions. So I am hoping to do a lot more of these. Actually, um, the idea seems like it's quite fun. Uh, gives me an opportunity to think on my feet. Um, so yeah, we will do a question and answer series. That's what this episode is about. And let's go. So question one that has been asked was, where have you been? So um, yeah, that is a long answer. To keep it brief, to keep it short, um, I believe in terms of this podcast, and I know this podcast have been away for quite a while, um, ever since I got engaged. So for those of you who do not know, I got engaged in July. Um, Emily came down to South Africa to visit me. So yeah, been very busy with that obviously there was a lot to do in terms of getting the ring um, surprising her making sure she didn't find out about it uh, speaking to her parents to ask for permission and speak to my parents as well my mom um, so yeah that's where i guess in terms of momentum i won't say i lost it but there have been a lot of things going on so that's one i think i disappeared from the nanos podcast uh, specifically after I got engaged. Uh, number two, a friend of mine, uh, Keegan, who actually even donated these mics that we are using for the podcast right now. Uh, we sort of embarked on doing a podcast, a soccer-related podcast. That is something that we share as a passion. Um, Andrew's also been on there, who's my housemate. So what we did is that we started a, a what do you call it, a football podcast called Unsocial Commentary. And the idea is obviously to give commentary on football we are not pundits or professionals by any means uh, we're not qualified i guess to comment on football but yeah it's commentary i guess in the unsocial commentary unqualified commentary so we've been doing that a lot um, we started in the euros or during the euros so that's been quite fun um, it's sort of awakened my passion for football um, i do like a lot of sports anyway but specifically football I spend a lot of time watching football it's something, I guess, that is quite common when you go to boys' school. Even though we didn't have football at my school, we still kept tabs on um, what was happening in the Premier League, specifically Premier League. Um, I think as your knowledge for football grows, you will end up watching a lot more football as well. So we embarked on that project and we've been doing that. Um, we took a bit of a break after the Euros and now that the Premier League is back again, we're doing a lot more of that. So discussions of, I guess, what is going on in the football world. So that will be on the same platform as this. If you've probably subscribed or you followed this podcast, you'll see a change in the name, which is the Nana OS podcast, as well as Unsocial Commentary. So both of them are going to be housed in one. And how you'll know the difference between the podcast episodes is that Unsocial Commentary is yellow. The Nana OS podcast will be in black. Um, very obvious to see the difference. But yeah, that is... Another reason um, I've been quiet on this platform. Um, obviously, the plan is to do both. 
So we have to go into the other reasons why I was quiet. Uh, work has been hectic. Um, if you don't know, I've got a full-time job. So this is done on weekends and in spare time. Um, so yeah, I have been busy with work. I've also had a few certification exams that I've had to do. and still studying for that now at the moment, but things obviously have got a lot better in terms of time and available time to pursue both of those things or pursue both of these things. But work is going to come first and foremost, I guess, at the end of the day when it comes to things that need to be done. You know, I need to live at the end of the day and that is my full-time job. So work's been a bit hectic. That's also one of the reasons um, why I've been a lot more quiet. Um, I think this is number four, I guess, yeah. Reason number four would be I have also started playing a lot more squash. So during the second lockdown that we had, or I think we went back up to level four again, you know, we sort of had that break and it gave me a lot of opportunity to gym at home, but also evaluate where I've been putting my time and what makes me happy. And when the lockdown was eased, I found myself going back into gym. So that's been good. Yeah, I've been hitting, you know, the weights, but also gave me the opportunity to play squash again. So I did a squash level one coaching course. So that also took some time, uh, you know, done the workbook as well as the answers submitted that. So hoping that comes back, that comes back soon and I would have had a passing grade for that. So Squash is something that I've been playing since I was 12, I believe. Uh, probably earlier than that, something I played with my dad. So I've been playing squash at all levels from, I guess, the age of 12 until now. Took a brief break when I was in Rich's Bay to pursue hockey. That was a great break and a great opportunity for me to do that. But then now, uh, moving back to PE, started playing a lot again in 2020 with the pandemic and the lockdowns and me being in the Netherlands and the UK, didn't play as much, um, played only once in the UK, I believe, a few times in the Netherlands, it was just so expensive there. So coming back to PE, settling in PE, I am I was able to sort of get in touch with um, my old teammates, as well as the club. So during the club, I'm playing a lot more squash now, and that's been taking a lot of my time as well, but in a good way. Um, it's something that I'm sort of playing almost every day, I think maybe four or five days out of a week. I've been to the squash court. Yesterday, I actually tried a new version of the sport called squash 57 so what it is is squash using racquetball rackets so it's not racquetball it's squash but um a few modification on the rules so try that out yesterday really different um a lot slower a lot more i guess gentle on the body and yeah so that seems like it'll be something i'm going to be doing a lot more as well so balancing my time between squash and squash 57 the reason I call it squash 57 is because of the size of the ball, um, 57 millimeters at the end of the day. Um, so it's a big, bigger ball. Um, so yeah, that's squash 57. So we've been playing a lot more of that. Another thing, which is probably going to be reason number five, is that I have joined the local Toastmasters group in Port Elizabeth. With that being said, it will take a bit of my time obviously only i think once or twice a month we have meetings but they're sort of pathways and guidelines in which i will need to it requires me to do a lot of preparation and learning and learn elements of how to become a better speaker obviously if i'm going to be doing this 
a lot more often. I need to become a better speaker to be a lot more engaging. So I have to sort of do an assessment to see what kind of speaker that I'm going to be. I think there are 11 pathways that you can choose. And from that, you are able to, um, I guess, develop into a better speaker, better public speaker, get more confidence, you know, deliver your speeches a lot better. So I've been doing that. I have been assigned an awesome mentor. His name is Amanda Dediza. Um, he's one of the best speakers within Africa. Um, he's my mentor. Um, so that means that I'll get to learn from someone who does, you know, public speaking and professional speaking as a job, as a passion, as a full-time endeavor. So really stoked to be under his guidance or under his mentorship. Um, he's actually someone I went to school with. Uh, so we were in the same school from the time I was seven up until we finished school, played hockey with him. He played first in hockey with me as well. So I know Amanda, I won't say quite well, but I knew him to that extent where, where um, you know, we were friends at school, but now he's going to be my mentor and I'm very excited for that. So I guess in a nutshell, I think those five reasons, they probably are a lot more, um, but yeah, those five reasons are, are the reason why I have not been around or available on this platform. It's not an excuse, I guess, at the end of the day, but yeah, there were other things going on in terms of priorities. Those ones sort of pulled rank. And yeah, I think what's more important is the fact that I'm back. So yeah, sorry if I've been away for too long. I know um, there are consequences to that in terms of following and your audience. I've seen that there's been, there has been a drop um, when it comes to that sort of element. But no, we'll get back to it, um, especially with more of these engaging type of podcasts and elements then it will make things a lot more be a lot better. It will make it a lot more entertaining. As I get better at my public speaking, these things might become a lot more valuable. So question number two is, what music have you been listening to lately? So I have actually been listening to a lot of UK music, um, specifically a genre called grime. So following a lot of artists like Stormzy, H, H, I think they call him H. We just say H the way we pronounce it, but it's probably H-A-I-T-C-H. Uh, Santan Dave, Bugsy Malone, actually. That is a song, Gods, by Bugsy Malone. I have been listening to that a lot. Um, it's something I listen to as I drive to the gym, sort of to get me psyched up. Uh, especially if you're gymming at 4.30 in the morning, uh, waking up at 4.30 in the morning to get to the gym at 5, but you need sort of something to, you know, wake you up and keep you motivated to try to do something um, or to try gym. So been listening to a lot of UK music. I've got a very broad range of interests when it comes to music. Uh, I guess when I'm doing my cardio at the gym, it'll be more EDM type of music, something with, um, you know, what do they call it, beats per minute, about 140, 150, um, just to sort of keep me motivated um, while I do cardio. So what I've been actually doing is a lot of spinning and it's sort of spinning to the beat of the music. So sort of when before the beat drops, it's just sort of a normal pace. And as soon as the beat starts to pick up, you know, cycle and pedal a bit faster. And then once the beat drops and, into the I guess start climbing so that's been making my cardio a lot yeah a lot less demanding I've got the music to power me through it so 
yeah, it's I've got a broad range of interests. Um, at night, I've actually been sleeping a lot better because I listen to white noise, which is basically static or rain. And I am really seeing the benefits of that on in my sleep. So I guess if it's not really music, but it is something that I'm listening to. So yeah, as I said, a lot of UK music at the moment, Stormzy, um, grime as a yeah, grime music, I guess, as a genre. Bugsy Malone, yeah. If you ever listen to Bugsy Malone's um, song called Gods, then I think you should listen to that, especially if you want to get psyched up for the gym. So yeah, that's music, I guess, in a nutshell. What's your best Chelsea lineup? This is from Clark Bishop. So um, Clark is a very good friend of mine, uh, someone that I've played hockey with. We shared a passion for hockey when we were in Richards Bay. We even started our own hockey club for the youngsters. So he is quite a big Chelsea fan. Um, I have always, I won't say hated Chelsea, but I, I dislike Chelsea a lot. My dad actually supported Chelsea. My brother still supports Chelsea, but I am not too much of a Chelsea fan. I was an Arsenal fan. At the moment, I am not following any teams or clubs or supporting any clubs. I'm just sort of a connoisseur of football at the moment. And it's sort of a requirement, especially if you're doing a football podcast, um, as I mentioned, on social commentary. You have to be sort of neutral at the end of the day. So being open to watching a lot more teams play and actually enjoying football for the sake of football. And so I, I do not feel like I am qualified to answer this question because I'm not a Chelsea fan. But if it were up to me, my best Chelsea lineup would be, would be, um, would be, I think I did write this down. So my best Chelsea lineup, I guess, at the end of the day would be Mendy and Goal right back so yeah actually let me step back a little bit i will play a 4-3-3 formation i am a very big fan of using the wing back wing backs um so yeah i think i'll start with mendy in the goals right back will be james would have uh rudiger and silver as your center backs left wing back being chill so my idea of my fantasy for that type of team would be to use your wing, wing backs to sort of run up and help with crossing. And James and Chilwell are quite good at that. Um, I would have two CDMs, being Jorginho and Kante. Reason I would choose two is because if I want the wing backs, being James and Chilwell, to run up the flanks, I would want to have Jorginho and Kante sort of to cover their position as soon as they dot up forward. So I would have two CDMs being Jorginho and Kante, have Mason Mount as my attacking midfielder. Then the three up front, I would actually put Werner shifting over to the left. Um, he isn't a goal scorer, I guess, at the end of the day, but he's quick, so he he's useful to some sort of extent. So I'll have him, I'll shift him out to the left. I will yeah, convert him to a winger. I would have uh, Lukaku as your striker. That just sort of makes sense, you know. He's unmatched. And I know that he's injured at the moment, but Hakim Ziyech outright. Um, I know there's obviously a the option of having uh, Kai Havertz somewhere in the mix. But yeah, that's for me. And I know that's what I'm saying. I'm not a Chelsea fan, so if you feel that uh, as a Chelsea fan, you want to be passionate about it and criticize and, you know, by all means, go do that. But that will be my choice um, based on what I know and based, of, based on the formation I want to play as well as the style I would want to play. 
So yeah, that is my predicted Chelsea lineup uh, or my favorite Chelsea lineup uh, clock. Okay, this one comes from <laughs> this one comes from Imola, actually, uh, my fiance. How do you deal with difficult people? Um, <laughs> I'm not too sure because I don't know if she's asking that about me. <laughs> I'm joking, but yeah, difficult people. Yeah, I don't think it's 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 there's a I don't think there is a general approach to deal with difficult people. People are difficult for a vast. Yeah, I think people are difficult for various reasons. And I guess at the end of the day, you'd have to either understand the person to know why they are difficult in a particular aspect or not. Some of it is trauma, some of it's psychology, your psychological trauma, um, which force him to act in a certain way to be unsure and to be sort of difficult. Sometimes it's obviously a vulnerability or insecurity, which makes it difficult. Um, I don't think anyone is difficult by choice at the end of the day. And I think that's what's important to note. But um, how do I deal with it? I think it depends on who they are to you. You know, if it's someone that is a loved one, there are ways to sort of breach it. The fact that you can have a tough conversation and still know that, hey, you know, it's reassure the person that reassure the person to say, you know what, I still love you at the end of the day, but you know, this is quite difficult, then do so. Otherwise, I just walk away from the situation or uh, me personally, I guess I, I react. I am a very quid pro quo writer kind of person. So, you know, if I feel that you are difficult with me, I will be very difficult with you as well, sort of to, um, <laughs> to, to make sure that you know that, well, it's not only you which can be difficult. Not to say that is the right advice. That's just how I deal with difficult people. Um, if something is unfavorable, sometimes I see it as an act of war. So uh, I have said that a couple of times, uh, not too Imola, but she's obviously seen me when I've been difficult with some people. And yeah, for me personally, at the moment, um, at my age, and I guess in my either sense of maturity or immaturity, um, yeah, I will, you know, act in a similar way to sort of make a person realize to say, hey, you know, at the end of the day, we all go through challenges, we all go through problems, and you've got your frustrations, but unless your frustration is directly at me, don't bring your frustrations that you have from home to me. Um, I can be sympathetic, but at the same time, I won't be treated like, you know, I'm going to be the person that bears the full brunt for your uh, frustration. So that's just me, um, I guess, yeah. I have a very abrasive personality. I can have a very abrasive personality. So for me, that's just me. But it's because I think also I feel that I can handle it if the, the situation had to escalate. So I think you also just have to know yourself, know the situation that you're in, who it is that you are arguing with or who it is that you have a grievance against or being difficult and then handle that situation accordingly. Um, that's what I do, I guess. Okay. What have you been reading lately? So reading, oh, yeah, I've actually been reading. I've actually been reading this. Uh, it's called, not this, it's actually called <laughs> Essentialism. Uh, Essentialism by Greg McNown, McEwen probably. Yeah, I, it's probably going to be McEwen. I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but yeah, Essentialism. 
the disciplined pursuit of less. And it's actually been really helpful. It's actually helped me also come back to the podcast. Um, I guess at the end of the day, it, you can summarize it with, uh, I think his name is Stephen R. Covey, the guy which did the seven habits of highly effective people. Um, his main thing is to, it says the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. So all this book really talks about is it encourages you to see how you have distractions, things that you should not be focusing on, things that aren't necessarily helping you in your step to go forward and being the best version of yourself that you can be and helping you come to a situation or to a point where you can sort of cut them off. So this is essentialism or essentialism. It's actually a really good book. Um, I think, I believe I got it last week and I'm halfway through it. I've just been reading it sort of at night just before bed. And it is something that, um, yeah, so for me, when I take notes, I will fold the bottom of the book if it's, you know, something that is really important to come back to. Um, I know some people highlight the books and stuff like that. I think that's not a sin per se, I guess. It's up to you, depending on what you want to do with the book afterwards. But yeah, in terms of real take-home points, I guess, at the end of the day, you know, I fold the page at the bottom. So yeah, I've been reading this. I do recommend it to, to anyone that feels like they're overwhelmed or doing too much or they have a, uh, I guess, they don't have a sense of direction. Um, it being rather big or even just small i think that's a good book that i would recommend to people i guess at the end of the day are you scared to touch on certain topics like racism politics and feminism <laughs> you can probably even put in veganism at the end there um i'm not scared i think there there are certain discussions that not that i'm not willing to entertain i feel that if people want expert advice or people who think about it. There are other experts or not other experts, but there are other people that will give you the conversation that you want. When it comes to discussions, I feel that at the moment, we as a society do not give everyone the opportunity to feel a certain way. So these type of uh, topics, it's never really going to be discussion. It's going to be someone who feels a certain way and wants you to feel the same way as them and they don't really care if you feel something different they, their goal at the end of the day is for you to feel a certain way and it's for them to for you to feel the exact same way to justify their opinion and their point of view as for me that's what i'm saying i've got a very broad i want to say broad sense but i've got a very with certain subjects and 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 things like that i it's quite easy for me to have a very different opinion to people. And I'm fine with people having different opinions because I just know that's normal. I have no grievance, you know, with that. If someone, you know, feels like they should push that sort of avenue in life or that's particular discussion, or they want to hone on about a certain point, then they're welcome to do it. You know, they feel that way for a certain reason at the end of the day. But I do not feel that you can force someone to feel the same way that you do. And that's where we are at in today's society where I won't agree with someone. People just won't agree. They see things differently, but that's a problem. I don't know when it became a problem for people to just have a difference in opinion. Um, do I have a fear of getting canceled or anything like that? No, it's not that. It's just that I feel like 
there are better things to keep my mind occupied with, um, better things to contribute towards, more towards positivity. So yeah, I might have a rant here and there about certain things like politics and stuff like that, but for me to get into it and, you know, um, have a whole debate and discussion with it, I would have a debate or discussion with someone which is just sort of open to expressing how it is that they got to certain conclusions that they have or certain feelings and um, how they got to see things their way and why they believe that it's such a strong thing, but also be open to me saying, hey, I don't exactly believe in what you are saying at the end of the day. And yeah, so it's not that I stay clear from such subjects. Um, it's just that, yeah, I guess if you have, or if I feel the person is mature enough to have a debate, and discussion about it without getting touched about the fact that I have a difference in opinion. And yeah, I'm willing and open to, to, to discuss that, but it's also a very turbulent time that we're in. It might not be that person that I have a discussion with, with that will be a problem, it will be a, a fan or a commentator or a pundit which I have a problem with it. And cancel culture is huge at the end of the day. So as I said, it's not really fair. Like this is on a podcast platform, my own platform, uh, or using through anchor so they can't really cancel me where if if they do decide to cancel me to always be on youtube or something like that but even then i'm not spewing misinformation it's just a difference in opinion but yeah do i want to dabble in that no not really i guess at the end of the day maybe for maybe yeah one day but uh, i don't see the need to discuss those things when there are other things that we can chat about in terms of the, the the thing of politics, I think I have dabbled with the thought of it. Um, I've had discussions with a very, um, he's got a very different way of thinking. Um, uh, a mate of mine that went to school with me. Um, so I have had the, or played with the thought of having him on the podcast to talk about it. But at the end of the day, when it comes to politics as well, what I realize is a lot of it is, Sometimes in terms of ideologies, and I think that's really the big issue, I guess, at the end of the day. Some of these things where it comes to ideologies, I'm not exactly a big fan of because I do know that there is a huge difference between pra practical, I guess, implications of certain things. And when you actually put in when you actually put things into place, they're not actually the same as you thought they would be. And sometimes I feel that we or people can get into the trap of having this super intellectual conversation, super theoretical conversation, but it's only perfect because it's theoretical. Actually applying it and giving the opportunity to live and breathe, giving this idea the opportunity to live and breathe, um, sometimes turns into something else that's different. It will bring situations and events that were, that were never planned for, I guess, at the end of the day. Um, there's only so much that you can sort of forecast in your mind. Um, you know, risk is always going to be there. There's always going to be something you never thought of. And we know how to handle the, the implications of some of the things that we deal with today by completely changing the system or changing, you know, the, the economic model maybe. I don't know if we've actually even thought of what the implications are. So it might suit some people and put someone else obviously in a situation where they might be poor or distraught. 
Whereas now, obviously, someone's benefiting and someone else is obviously in a situation of less power or less advantage. So there's never going to be equal shift, I believe. There's always going to be a winner and a loser at the end of the day when we implement certain strategies and we talk about certain policies that we need to put into place. So, yeah, as I said, it's not something I, I am scared of. It's just something where I guess at the end of the day it comes back to you know, sort of a draw to be like, well, yeah, it's great for this person because it has been implemented, but it sucks for someone else. So I don't think it will ever be balanced at the end of the day. I think that is probably the best way to look at it when it comes to those particular topics. Who is your favorite boxer? Uh, what are your top 10? Who are your top 10 boxers? This is from Kyle Hoffman. Shout out to Kyle. Kyle's actually a, a guy that I met at uh, my friend's wedding. Uh, Claude, so Claudio, and Carl's married to Claudio's sister. So, yeah, we chatted, obviously, at the wedding. Um, we sort of bonded the day before, and, yeah, we still keep in contact. Um, he's someone that I actually chat to regularly during the week about a lot of things, uh, varying from vaccines and conspiracy theories to football and boxing. Um, I believe he used to do MMA as a hobby, but he also follows boxing a lot. Uh, that's something maybe you don't know about me. I do like boxing. So in terms of who my favorite boxer of all time would be, wow. Uh, yeah, I have answered this before, so I think I'll stick to it. It will be Mike Tyson. And Mike Shockey, obviously, because of the kind of person that he is, but this comes to boxing. It's not my favorite humanitarian boxer at the end of the day or something like that. It's Iron Mike Tyson when it comes to boxing. Um, reasons I like him, his style, his stature, his height, he's about the same height as me. I think he's also 176 or 177 centimeters, so that's 5 foot 10. Um, and yeah, I think he was just built differently. Um, I like the way, when you listen to him, even on his podcast, Hot Boxing uh, with Mike Tyson, the way he described boxing as a art of war, you know, it was warfare and that he learned from Castellamato, which was his trainer. Uh, it's something that as I have grown older, I have enjoyed a lot more in terms of seeing the mental aspects of fighters, you know, what it is that they go through because yeah, I'm pretty sure every one of us have gone into the gym and, you know, we've hit the boxing bag and thought, hey, you know what, this seems like it's something quite cool. I wonder how hard it is, how hard it would be to become a professional boxer. I believe the best boxers in the world are the people which come from difficult backgrounds. Uh, Floyd Mayweather had a difficult background. Mike Tyson had a difficult background. A lot of these people come from poverty. And I think that is what is needed to sort of be at the top of the game. And what is inspiring for me, particularly around Mike Tyson, is obviously the background that he came from. The fact that every time he was fighting someone was out of fear. That being said, um, he used that as well as obviously he got shaped by Casimara as his coach to make him the boxer that he was. I think there will never be a generation that will not know who the likes of Muhammad Ali is, as obviously, as well as um, Mike Tyson. We will sing and say those names forever. Mike Tyson was just intimidating, you know. I like, obviously, the Mike Tyson before the issues, before Cus died, um, before he, you know, he, he, he changed promoters. That was, that was 
you know, I won't say prime time, but that was Mike Tyson, the role model for people to sort of use as a role model in terms of, you know, working hard and being in shape. Um, yeah, early Mike Tyson or young Mike Tyson or, yeah, early career Mike Tyson was just a beast, you know. He was just something else. And then afterwards, it became a lot different, but he will still forever be, in my opinion, obviously the best and most entertaining. And that's the thing. I never said who's the best. I think the question that Carl asked was, who's your favorite? So it is Mike Tyson. We talk about the best of all time. Well, that becomes a whole different story, a whole different, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's another discussion for another day. But my top 10, and I definitely need to go back my top 10, I think I definitely need to go back um, into my messages here to, to talk about my top 10. So, okay. No, my favorite, not, yeah, my favorite top 10 boxes, I guess. Number one, I've got Lomachenko, Vasily Lomachenko from Ukraine, I believe. Um, Southpaw, really love Southpaws. Um, and I know obviously he had that loss to Teofimo Lopez recently. Um, I think he just wasn't on form. He probably underestimated him and mentally he wasn't there, but he will rise to the top again, but he is very entertaining. He's one of my favorite boxers. I've got Canelo, Saul Alvarez. I don't think there's anyone who dislikes Canelo that much. He is really not entertaining per se he's entertaining but he's just sort of a complete boxing just just i don't know there's just something about his dominance stepping forward i do believe though in the first fight against triple g i believe i i would say triple g won that one but regardless it was a draw and definitely in the second one he came back and sort of you know rectified that but canelo is up there as one of my favorite boxers Errol Spence, who unfortunately, I think he tore a retina or something like that. He was supposed to be fighting Manny Pacquiao. Errol Spence is also, yeah, Errol the true Spence, yeah. He is, the reason I like him a lot is that he sits on his punches. If you look at them, so he's sort of like, he's not punching to get the, you know, the punch and then move out of the way. He sort of sits on it to be like, you're going to feel this one and you're going to feel this one. And he really attacks the body a lot. I think that's why I like Canelo and Errol Spence a lot because they are body punches. Uh, Javante Davis, um, as I said, these are just favorite boxers and just obviously judging them off of boxing. Uh, Javante Davis is someone, Tank Davis is something, someone that I think is really special, also another Southpaw. Um, they're just really entertaining. Um, I think Errol Spence, is Errol Spence a Southpaw now I think about it. Yeah, I do like Southpaws. Huh? So Javante Davis is something really special. Obviously, he's got a lot of issues outside of the outside of the ring. But I think when you know he 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 has his things together, like he's one to watch. I have got Anthony Joshua, AJ. It's hard not to like Anthony Joshua. You know, he is a I won't say model citizen. There are obviously rumors and discussions about who he is behind the scenes. And as I said, no box is perfect. And to be at the top of the game, you have to be a really, I think, come from really rough background. You know, I think he did have a rough background. You know, he was, uh, there was talks of juvenile prison or sort of, yeah. Um, yeah, he was a troublemaker. He was sort of banned from certain areas that he lived in and stuff like that. So Anthony Joshua for me is like, 
There, there are a lot of things about him. One, the way he speaks, the way he conducts himself, his physique. Like, yeah, if you could have Anthony Joshua body, why not have Anthony Joshua body? But it takes a lot of work and effort to, to be the way he is. So yeah, Anthony Joshua, AJ is one of the fighters that I make sure that I watch all the time. Uh, not a lot of the time, but actually all the time. So he's fighting against Usyk. Usyk who's also another southpaw, very different. He's stepping up, obviously, into the heavyweight division. He fought, who is this guy? Um, I face, paint, paints his face. Oh, I, I really forget the name, but that was his first test in the heavyweight division. And yeah, he beat a top four, top five boxer. So he's someone to be wary of. Um, I don't like the fight for Anthony Joshua. I hope Anthony Joshua wins. I hope he shows us something else and something different. But I think Usyk is going to give him a bit of a tough time, but I'm still hoping that Anthony wins that one. Uh, Terrence Cole Crawford, Terrence Bud Crawford, like... He is just a complete fighter. I think, I know there are many people which obviously have a discussion of pound for pound. Terence Crawford, at the end of the day, is someone I believe is, who is really, really good when it comes to boxing. He's just complete. I think there's nothing that you can take away from the guy. Um, it would be great to see Terence Crawford and um, Errol Spence fight because I think, you know, they, I won't say they're similar, but it will be sort of like, a, stylistically, it will be quite good to see them fight. Uh, the Charlo twins, Jermaine and Jamal Charlo, I enjoy them because they are entertaining. Um, and as I said, these are your, the question was your favorite boxers. So for them, maybe the boxing style, not as much because I don't think, you know, they're really knocking people out. But yeah, I don't know. There's just something about them. They've got this mentality and sort of intensity about them when they go into the ring and even before the fight, you know, to... They, 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 they have a, a mind that's ready for war. And that's what I like about them, uh, the Charlotte twins. And they've had impressive careers. I know, I don't know if it's uh, Jamal that fought recently and Drew. But yeah, he's going to rectify that. Um, so how many have I gone through? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, because of the twins. I've got two more. Um, there is the Ghanaian slash UK fighter. Um, I just want to get his surname right. Joshua Buazzi. My gosh. Yeah, so he's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Olympic boxer. He's part of the whole Great Britain um, system, um, Olympic boxing system. And he's devastating to watch. And one of the things I like about him is that he's he is a humble warrior. Put it that way. Someone who's very God-fearing. And I think if you watch any of his videos and if you look at his Instagram and everything like that, you know, he always has this guy which is sort of praying and discussing, not discussing, but reading the Bible to him and sort of getting his mind ready. And that's actually something that they said in essentialism, sort of that, you know, in terms of preparation for the mind, it's quite good to read some of the old things like, um, you know, Shakespeare, the Bible, um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's also one of this is probably also one of the reasons I love that song "Gods" by Bugsy Malone because you know he quotes Marcus Aurelius in in, in this book, so um, or from this book. So that's why I like Joshua Boazzi a lot. Um, 
he's that calm warrior. He, he, I think he's also proof um, that you can be calm and, you know, level-headed and still have a mean streak about you. I think some people over, overcompensate because of insecurities where they have it, that they need to show their brash side and they can't show their calm collected side or they only have a calm collected side, side and they cannot bring out their warrior side in them. So, yeah, I really enjoy him a lot. And um, it's obviously going to be controversial in terms of the fact that I also like Canelo, but I like Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant, also known as Smooth Hands, and that is the reason why I do like him. Um, he's really smooth the way he punches. I think he's maybe a bit slow. Um, doesn't seem like him and Canelo are going to fight at any point in time soon. And I know there obviously have been discussions, but he's got the belt, and I guess you know him and Canelo will have to see each other at some point in time. But I really like the way he does fight. Um, he's very entertaining as well, a little bit flashy. Um, but as it, as I said, smooth and it's... This, the nickname suits him smooth hands because he is a smooth character, the way he floats around in the ring and just the way he executes his shots, I, I really feel. Yeah, it seems like this is a boxing podcast now I think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, Keller Plant is one of my... Uh, yeah, he will be the last guy in my top 10 of favorite boxers at the moment. Um, yeah, so these are obviously the people that are currently active. I think there's also pretty boy Josh Kelly, who's also quite, quite good... Um, yeah, I'm not going to mention the likes of Deontay Wilder. I don't like Deontay Wilder. Um, Tyson Fury is an honorable mention as well. He's not in my top 10 of favorite fighters, but I'm not going to deny the fact that he's really good. So, yeah, those are my those are my top 10, I guess. And last but not least, <laughs> where are Arsenal finishing the season? My gosh. Um, funny enough, there's a game that I am, I have entered, or a sort of, what do you want to call it, a bet. Um, and basically, Neil, who's on, I think, episode one and two of Unsocial Commentary, um, he's put this thing together, sort of like a system where, or like amongst friends, you sort of place bets, or you pay money in, and you get a point system if you predict it correctly. And what he wants you to do is basically predict the top 20, or where everyone's going to finish it by the end of the season. So from one all the way through to 23 teams that will get relegated and everything. So I think you get points for if you get number one right, number two right. For every place that you match according to exactly. So at number six, if it's this team, if you get that correct, you get a point. And um, yeah, so I guess to answer, where will Arsenal finish the season? I have got them as ninth in my prediction. So my, my list of 20 is number one will be City, um, so I'm predicting City to win the Premier League, two Chelsea, three Man United, four Leicester City, five Liverpool, six Aston Villa, seven West Ham, eight Tottenham, nine Arsenal. And yeah, I'm not an Arsenal fan anymore. So I know if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be bloody murdered to actually say that Tottenham will finish ahead of Arsenal. But I really feel with Arteta at the home and the squad, um, you know, lacking a bit of maturity, lacking a bit of hunger, and just having the star quality to keep them above the top 10, they'll finish ninth. Uh, 10th will be Leeds, 11 Everton, 12 Wolves, 13 Crystal Palace. I'm really do, hoping Crystal Palace do well with, um, what do you call it, uh, Vieira. Obviously, they're at their home. So I'm really hoping Crystal Palace does well. And I think 13th for them will be something that's quite good. 
obviously avoiding relegation zones. Um, yeah, 14 Watford. I see a lot of people really banking on Watford to be eliminated from this, but I do know they've obviously got Ben Foster at goal. I know um, Danny Rose from Tottenham went there. So I don't know why people are sleeping on Watford, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, 15 Brentford, and that's actually surprising because Brentford trumped Arsenal. So maybe I should swap Brentford and Arsenal around and say Arsenal finished 15th and Brentford 9th. But yeah, obviously that doesn't make sense. It's early predictions. But um, yeah, Brentford 15th, 16th will be Norwich, 17th Brighton, 18th Southampton. So yeah, I mean, I'm predicting Southampton, um, 19 Newcastle, and 20 Burnley will be the ones that get relegated. Um, so yeah, to answer your your question, I think Arsenal finish around about ninth, uh, maybe tenth if Brentford, if Brentford sort of sneaks up in the top ten. I think they're the moneyball team. Um, they've got a whole system of that's how they chose their players. Um, they're not looking for big signings, and it's been working for them. I don't know how long it can work for because even in terms of the original moneyball, I think it worked for a season. You know, they kept the guy there, but. He had the opportunity to go to the Red Sox, I think it was, or the Yankees. And he didn't take that opportunity. And they never went as far as they could have. Um, other teams tried to replicate the same system, but it didn't work for them. So I think, yes, it worked, obviously, last season. I don't know if it's going to do... If, if it will work in the Premier League, I think you playing with different variables. Um, I think, yeah, in the Championship, obviously, where you've got money... Um, which is, I wouldn't say it's capped, but obviously to a certain level, you know, it can make a difference that you've calculated everything. But now you're going to the Premier League with the big boys, with the big bucks, and they're just variables you can't factor for when you've got a lot of money and you've got superstars like a Man City. You know, you've got superstars that are at the likes of Chelsea now with Lukaku going over and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I'm talking about Brentford a lot. I really do like their system. I like the fact that. Um, they've taken a very unique and different approach to football, but I don't think they're going to be the ones. Um, uh, yeah, maybe, hey, maybe they might surprise you. And that's the thing with football, you can never be sure. So I was pressured for time. Obviously, I had to give this in before Premier League started. And yeah, um, who would have thought Arsenal would lose to Brentford? But yeah, <laughs> and with Arsenal, anything is possible. So yeah, I feel Arsenal finished ninth this season. I think Arteta's not going to make it. They'll replace him. Who is a good replacement? I don't know. I have to see who's available at the time. But yeah, I think that is that for this week on the Nana OS podcast. It's great to be back. It's great that uh, you guys obviously submitted these questions. I really had fun doing it. Um, as I said, um, if you've got any other questions, um, hit me up on the socials. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I am on what else? I think those two, obviously, YouTube as a platform if you're watching the video form of this. So yeah. Uh, follow the pages or the accounts, uh, hit me up on those channels. And yeah, I guess I will see you next time. Take care and goodbye.